and welcome into episode 97 of Balls in the Air. It's not really episode 97, I'm just making that up. It's episode something, but uh, we've been having a great time here on the new podcast. I am your most of the time friendly host, Charlie Reimer, and now we got another great guest today joining us uh, from Myrtle Beach Golf Tourism Solutions. He is the tournament director, Scott Tomasello, and Scott, in case you didn't know it, is one of the nicest, in fact, the nicest guy in all of Myrtle Beach. Scott, how you doing this morning, bud? I'm doing all right. I think you're, uh, you exaggerated just a smidge for me, but I appreciate oh, that. Oh, I never exaggerate anything, Scott. So, hey, let, let's jump in a little bit. Some of the folks out there, they might not be real familiar with Myrtle Beach Golf Tourism Solutions. Talk, talk to me a little bit, big picture, what, what uh, that company does. Sure. So, we, we kind of serve as the marketing arm for all things Myrtle Beach Golf. You know, we our motto here, at least, is uh, kind of we don't really care where you stay or where you play. We just want you to experience everything that we have to offer. So plenty of golf. Uh, what we do here is make sure that you have a good time. Uh, make sure we curate a great experience for everybody, whether you've been here one time or, or 300 times. Uh, so we have an events division that helps accomplish that. And uh, we look forward to hosting players for regular days of golf or a competitive experience. And, and I know that's where your expertise is as tournament director in that events division we'll get into some of the events that that uh, you oversee including the world am which is the world's largest amateur golf tournament in fact the world's largest golf tournament and uh, I've, I've had a chance over the years to host that the world's largest 19th hole happens every night and you can only do that here in myrtle beach most years we utilize uh, almost 50 golf courses to get it done and they got to be close enough together where you can get all the golfers back uh in the same place every night to to enjoy that world's largest 19th hole, which happens at the Myrtle Beach Convention Center. But you know, Scott, t- tell me a little bit about your your background. I, I know you've been with this company how many years now? Uh, it's going on ten. Going on ten years now. But but tell me a little bit about your background. How you first came to uh, Myrtle Beach Golf Tourism Solutions? Sure. Yeah. Always been a, a golfer. Maybe not necessarily all that good, but I uh, grew up. Uh, Playing the game, really enjoying it with my father. Uh, went to South Carolina for school, and uh, that's all right. So college isn't for just everybody. So, <laughs> so I'm a <laughs> big Gamecock fan, uh, and never really wanted to leave South Carolina. It's a beautiful place, a lot of great, uh, great things to see, a lot of great cities. So, I ventured out to Myrtle Beach after a few uh, golf internships. You know, trying to get my way into the business, and uh, fortunate to have landed here uh, with Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday at the time. Um, and just been running tournaments ever since. Yeah, so, so many young people want to get into sports. They want to get it. They want to get into golf. Um, in particular, I, I run in running young folks all the time that that are uh, in school. What, what what was your degree in at South Carolina? Sports management, which they have a great program there, and I, I know a lot of uh, schools around the country are picking up you know PGM programs or sports management as a whole, um, which which is great. For someone out there listening right now that's interested in getting in sports, or may, maybe they have a you know someone in their family, a, a kid who's going to college. What what kind of advice would you give them on how to start a career in the world of sports? Sure, I, I think two two key things for me at least that I've kind of looked back on is, is one that the business side of things is is very important. It's not just about the playing or the operation aspect. You know, looking back, I wish I could have taken a few more business classes because. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are able to work your way into this business, you know at some point you might be looking at being a general manager of a club or of tournaments and things like that. So the business side is very important. It's not just marketing. If, if you want to make your way, you need to be able to be a jack-of-all-trades, so to speak. Um, so that's very important. But 
Um, also networking, you, you can't say it enough. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have had a great mentor in Paul Graham, a good friend of yours. And uh, without making key connections and networking, just staying close with the people that help you along the way is very important. I think that's helped me, and I think it would help a lot of people. Yeah, you mentioned Paul. He's been a guest on the show. He's been my longtime agent. Also uh, teaches a professor at uh, University of South Carolina in that sports management program. And you're right, he, he is absolutely the best. Uh, what, one of the things that um, I think about when I go back to the last century, when I was in college at Georgia Tech, I always try to remember, you know, a class that I took that helped me in what I do now. And, and um, it, it was probably um, public speaking and, and I made a D in public speaking at <laughs> Georgia Tech. I, re- I remember after, after my play career wrapped up, I, ESPN hired me to be the lead analyst on, on about 15 shows, the second half of, of uh, the PGA Tour season or the end of the summer through the fall. And I, I remember thinking, wow, I'm sitting here for the worldwide leader of sports. We're going out live to 168 countries around the world. What have I done to qualify myself for this? And, and I thought – I made a D in public speaking. Must have been right place, yeah. right time kind of thing for you. <laughs> exactly. It goes back to networking. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly, <laughs> exactly. That professor didn't like me, but but I do remember that class and a couple other. Uh, I, I enjoyed taking some history, some English classes and that sort of stuff. But th- do you remember any class? I know it's been a while now, but do you remember any class that, that specifically taught you a skill that, that you, you use on a daily basis? Yeah, I think Paul's classes, you know, he teaches event management for, you know, whether it's musical uh, concerts, uh, for golf tournaments. Uh, he, he teaches a lot of classes, but technically, at the end of the day, my best class was internships. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting out there and actually experiencing it. So you know, when we have events here, we love to have interns in because that's, to me, the best way to learn. Um, in, in our school, at least, it, internships were partly classes. So I tried to do as many as I possibly could. I'm thankful for some of the opportunities. I think those are the classes you remember the most because that's where you get the real learning experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the whole internship thing. I, uh, my two sons are within the last two and a half, three years now, both graduates, college graduates, one from Florida State and one from Missouri, and uh, they are both gainfully employed that I am um, very happy about that. And, and But both of them had wonderful internships. Uh, one, one of them went to... Uh, New York City for the summer to work for an investment banker, and uh, the other one um, um, ended up uh, taking an internship up in the Chattanooga area, and after the internship, he went back to school, finished up for four months, and went to work for that company. So internships are just absolutely vital. It may be a little bit different but when I was in school, but, but again, I go back to the kids out there that are listening or a parent that's listening. What, what What's a key at getting... That, that internship, because in your position now, I'm sure you get a lot of calls about people sure. wanting to come intern for you. Sure, yeah, and I think the key it goes back to networking, but at the end of the day, you need to make the most of that time. If you are given the opportunity, it's your chance to prove yourself, and without that, you know, people may say, thanks for your time, but we'll mm-hmm. take it from here kind of thing. So um, while school is very important to give you those fundamentals, uh, you need to act on Know, the professionalism. A lot of college students, it's it's tough to balance the, the work, the play, the fun experience that college is. Uh, but there will be a time in your life when you need to uh, focus on the future. And uh, if you do do well in those internships, a lot of times uh, you might be there for a good portion of your life. Yeah, and you got to be pretty persistent in pursuing those internships as well. Quanti- quantity of applications, correct. Yeah, yes. yeah, and make sure you follow up because a lot of times you're applying uh, to very busy companies or individuals and don't take it personal when you don't 
get the reply that you want immediately. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a, um, a interview for a business journal, and they were asking me, what, what, what do you look for in, in um, young people that might come to work for you? And, and I think it still applies today. And college kids, if you hear this, you need to remember it. I, I, I told them in the article, I said, first of all, I want somebody uh, that, that's, that's smart. I want passionate. I want dedicated, creative. And, and I've got to have somebody that's on time. And if I can only get one of those five, I'll take on time. <laughs> of course, yes, exactly. I mean, that, you, you know, you, you come out and you're an intern or you're starting a job, you better be on time or you're not going to be in that position for very long. What's the expression? The best ability is availability? Exactly, exactly. That's great advice for, for young folks. Well, uh, Scott, let's talk a little bit about some of the events that, that you had up and, let, and let's start with the big one, the, the World Am. For folks that have never been to the World Am, d- describe it for them. The world's largest golf experience. That's that's about as short as I can put it. Uh, you know, we, we try to host, typically it's 3,000 golfers from all over the world. Uh, we, I mean world when I say that. We usually have about 25 foreign countries represented uh, in a normal year. And Alabama. And Alabama. And uh, <laughs> so it, it's, it's really catered towards the everyday golfer, but we run the gamut in terms of abilities, genders. Uh, you know, so anywhere from a scratch golfer who's 25 to – uh, 36 handicap to we even have a division just for fun so we try to make it as inclusive as possible um, we don't want anybody to have a reason to say oh you know that's not for me if you're a golfer you know any shape or kind you probably want to play in this event it's kind of equal parts golf equal parts fun uh, when we have the 19th hole you know you, you've seen it your firsthand there's music there's games there's entertainment uh, it, it's it's really a golfer's paradise, uh, free food and open bar. So, I mean, the value, again, is, is where, what I think draws a lot of the quantity of golfers, but the experience is what gets people coming back. One of, one of the things that I find so neat about the World Am, uh, and, and what number World Am are we on now? We're sneaking up on This 30? will be year 38. 38, so we're sneaking up on 40. I should know that because <laughs> I think I've been to most of them. But we, we, have, we actually have folks that have been to every single one, which, That's right. which is re- really cool. And people come back year after year after year, mm-hmm. and they don't just come by themselves. They bring all their buddies, too. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it could start as somebody who, you know, just comes down by themselves as somebody who's testing, the, testing it out, seeing what it's all about, and they'll come back the next year with 10, 10 of their best friends from, uh, from their home clubs. Or, you know, sometimes they'll start with, you know, we got a group of 30 that comes from Pittsburgh all the time. We get a group of 30 from Portugal. Uh, so it's, it's cool to see that. I, I think a lot of those folks make new friends here. So it doesn't really matter if you come by yourself. You're going to make three new friends a day on the golf course. And that's, that's to me, what's really cool. These, these seven golfers that you mentioned that have never missed a World Am, they're, they're like best friends now. So yeah. it's just cool to hear some of the stories. And you could be playing in a group with a guy from Italy one day and then a guy from – uh, San Jose the next, so it's 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 pretty cool to the people you meet. The um, reasons that people come here, as you just went over, are are diverse. Some of them are just fun. For the ones that that are, are serious competitors, the, the uh, ha- handicapping system is is something that, uh, that don't don't be coming here to play in the World Am and you don't have a legitimate handicap. Is what I'm trying to say nicely, but but that's something that you have to monitor very closely because we do want it to be as sure. competitive as it can be 
and as fair as it can be. And sometimes there's a snag or two involved in that. Walk me through that a little bit. Sure. So we've got a very intuitive, uh, I'll call it algorithm. Uh, so we, we do need, you know, 3,000 golfers. Golf is about integrity at the end of the day. Uh, but there is some, there are some bad apples out there here and there. But we do our best to monitor that, police that, and unfortunately have to take matters into our own hands. Uh, I'll, I'll use different words for uh, make them ineligible for prizes. Um, it's a very small percent, you know, I've, people assume all the time, well, I, I you know, I, I got to make sure that I'm on the up and up. Well, you know, 99% of the golf world is, but, uh, we do have to make it an equitable field and we, we take it seriously. Uh, but at the end of the day, most people get it, understand it, have fun with it. And, uh, we try to make sure everybody comes out a winner. If, if you're a 17 handicap and you shoot a gross 69 the first day, uh, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> we might we might call your head professional. <laughs> yeah, that algorithm is gonna be going wah wah very quickly. But but uh, the, the vast majority of people do get it, and and uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to over the years uh, be the MC of that event and and see the same people year after year and see all the smiles out there in, in the audience. And okay, so let's move to a couple other events. The, the Hackler Championship is is a an amazing college event. Um, and, and you are over an event like the World Am and also a college event. We'll get in a, in a few more, but how is the approach different in running a college event than it is something like the World Am? Sure. You, the, the aspects of a college event versus a, a handicapped event are kind of focused towards, um, in, in a college event, it's all about the golf course. It's all about setting it up, painting the course, the tees are in the right place, the pin sheets are proper. It's, it's very fine-tuned to the athletes that these student-athletes are. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of focus on strictly playing golf, whereas uh, someone like you or I, or maybe I should say myself, uh, you know, we're just looking to have a good time. So the golf course, yes, we want to have great quality courses. We want to have fun, but we also want to have uh, a beer after the round. So, you know, logistically, the college events cater to the golf course, and for, for you and I, it's cater to fun. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's that's. I don't care if you shoot a hundred. Did you have fun? That's what I want to know. Yeah, and and during this um, pandemic, I want to call it a something really foul. And in pandemic, uh, the the challenges for you in particular had to have been great. And and putting on a college event, I'm sure you're dealing with the requirements from the schools and putting on a world am having so many people. Talk talk to me about maybe some of the challenges that you've faced in this last year and how you've overcome those. Yeah, so the biggest challenge for us was uh, overcoming the stigma of traveling, which I understand safety first. We, we Traveling is, you know, optional. That's not something we are, you know, encouraging people to do uh, just for the sake of traveling. But golf as a whole, golf is has kind of served as that safe haven. So once you're out there on the golf course, um, just hanging out with your buddies. Uh, so we, we had to institute a few different policies, uh, remove some banquets and social gatherings, which is fine. We just, you know, we were fortunate to, that our players are understanding. We, we, we tend to do things on a pretty good value clip. So uh, when players have always come back because they trust that we're going to do things the right way. So, for instance, at the event, this, this uh, Q School event that's going on right now as we speak, is uh, we're out allowing players to ride with specific friends of theirs uh, for safety reasons. Um, as well as, you know, lunch is not being served buffet style. It's, it's little things Damn. here and there. <laughs> little things here and There's there. There's no that, buffet. <laughs> I'm going home. Uh, but it, it, it has been challenging for some events more than others. Um, but as a whole, I think long term, this is going to be phenomenal for golf. It's been 
you know, there was a downturn for a little bit um, because we're a tourism-based destination. But once tourism returns and golf has just continued to boom, um, we're, we're starting to see that return, which is a fantastic. I love seeing a brand-new golfer pick up the clubs uh, and, and learn all about the game. Yeah, me too. And if you look at what's going on um, in, in the world, and we, we are getting a big surge in golf for a terrible reason, but but um, I, I you got to take it when it comes your way. And, and you're looking at people there. And I get the feeling everybody sort of looked at the resources that are closest to them and are taking advantage of that, and maybe they're rediscovering things that they always – took for granted and golf has been one of those and if you look at the rounds of played last year typically at home courses for people they, they aren't traveling but they bought they bought a ton of golf equipment and right now if you're trying to get new golf equipment and there's you got to wait months in some cases they can't make enough golf balls golf shirts all of that and, and these people they're not buying this stuff and putting it in their garage they're going to play golf and and as soon as everybody starts feeling safe which hopefully is really soon Myrtle Beach is going to be one of the first places they look so I tell folks out there if you want to come to Myrtle Beach, and we'd love to have you, and if you want to come this summer or you want to come this fall, you better book right now because if you wait till the summer or fall, we're going to be full. And and I, and I, it's just like this tidal wave is coming our way, and I can feel it coming, and I'm really excited about it for the game and our destination. Yeah, we're, we're seeing that in spades in terms of the events. The, the, the events have sold out in record time. So like Charlie said, it's, it's best. If you know you're going to come, you might as well go ahead and book it. Get it on the calendar. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the anticipation factor. Booking ahead of time uh, makes it you know, something to talk about with your buddies for four months leading up to it. Start talking talking a little exactly. trash before you get yeah. going. Isn't that the best part of golf, the, the talking trash beforehand? Talking trash afterwards is not that much fun. You hurt somebody's feelings then. But ahead of time, it's a lot of fun. Well, Scott, I want, I want to finish up and talk a little bit about the Dustin Johnson World Junior Golf Championship. It was at TPC Myrtle Beach last week. And, and that event uh, in its five years now, I believe this was this the was sixth, sixth one, that, that, that event um, has really grown to be one of the top junior golf co- uh, events in the world. And looking at the field, boys and girls, everybody in the field's ranked in the top 60. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's really difficult to get in there. You, you run that event. And uh, t- tell me just how special that event's become in just five quick years. Yeah, that one is near and dear to us, you know, with Dustin's support, which is, you know, the reason that we have the event. He he's had this idea to, to give back to the junior golf community, specifically towards the Carolinas. So uh, we're happy that he entrusts us to run an event with his name on it. And uh, we're also thankful that he's able to attend and interact with these kids because that, at the end of the day, is what makes the week for a kid at, uh, at the event. So, you know, the event has grown in stature kind of with uh, – Dustin, as, as he continues to build his legacy, this event is part, is going to be part of that. And, you know, as it goes with experience, his kids want to come back and want to be at this event because he's invested his time and money in to make this, you know, as good as it possibly can be. And we're, we're well on our way. Well, I'm very excited about uh, the first time ever we're going to have a, a highlight show on uh, CBS Sports Network of the golf tournament. I've been working on that show and, and spent a good bit of time with Dustin uh, while he was in town. And and I, I can't wait for folks to uh, to, to see that show. Uh, I mean, you, you're number one, uh, the kids look so good out there. Uh, I mean, they, these kids can flat out play. These kids don't play like they played when I was a kid, I can tell you that. And, and especially watching the young ladies, I, you got 12 and 13-year-old girls that are keeping the ball in the air 240, 250 yards. I mean, it really is amazing 
to, to watch them play. But it was so much fun for me to spend time with Dustin. Um, I, I actually did an hour interview with him uh, for, for the new show, Charlie Romer Golf Show, also on CBS Sports Network, where he was so relaxed because he was around the kids. And I got him away from uh, being number one in the world and having all of that spotlight and being in the big cities and all of that and got him – at TPC Myrtle Beach, where he played a lot of golf when when uh, he was in college, and then afterwards lived in this area, and and very relaxed. But it was just so neat, Scott, to see the interaction between Dustin and and the kids out there. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's that's what he's looking for. He just wants to be one of the boys. I don't think he, you know, at the end of at, when he comes to this event, he's out. Of, he's in his comfort zone, even though you know he. How do I say this? He basically wanted to provide the experience that he gets on a weekly basis, and I think we've accomplished that. Um, so to see their smiles, it, it makes him happy. I know that it does. That's why he comes year after year. Um, and the fact that we just have to have a great field as well, that's just the, the icing on the cake. Yeah, and the event's going to continue to grow. If you look at some of the kids that have come through already, uh, on, on the boys' side, uh, uh, Akshay Batia, who was the number one ranked junior uh, in 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 the uh, in the world actually, and and worked out of Dustin Johnson's golf school with the lead instructor there, Alan Terrell, who also heads up DJ's foundation and runs the event. Akshay decided not to go to college. He's already got two top tens on the PGA Tour, and and he don't weigh 135 pounds. And, <laughs> yeah, he, and, he uh, rockets the ball. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Alexa Pano, uh, Alexa Pano, who who has won everything in sight. She's going to be. That's a future star on the LPGA. She's actually won the event twice on the on on, on her side. So uh, we, we're getting a lot of these names that you'll be able to follow in college. You're going to be able to follow some of these uh, young folks. You're going to get to the PGA Tour, the LPGA, and and it, it's it's really neat. Uh, the event this year uh, really didn't have any spectators come out. Most years we do have a lot of spectators. Next year we're going to have even more. That's right. That's yeah, right. than we've had in the past. So. Uh, but, Scott, appreciate you uh, stopping by and spending some time with us. He's Scott Tomasello, the tournament director for uh, Myrtle Beach Golf Tourism Solutions. And, uh, he, he, you know, he ain't much to look at, folks. I can tell you that. But uh, nicest guy in Myrtle Beach, one of the smartest guys, too, and, and does a wonderful job running our events here in Myrtle Beach. How, how many events, again, are you in charge of? It's 12, 13 now, uh, right? Or maybe even more I'm starting than that. to lose track. I think we, we started, it was three, and now we're up to uh, 15. And we're going to be adding some more, too. That's so, right. Scott, we, we appreciate it. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank buddy. you. All right, folks, we appreciate you spending time with us as well. Um, like for everyone to know, uh, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, like us, tell a friend. Have fun playing golf, and we'll see you right here next time on the uh, Charlie Reimer Balls in the Air podcast.